we're not talking about Howard the Duck today. We are here on Cinema Excelsior talking about Spider-Man Homecoming, a 2017 uh, film starring Tom Holland, Michael Keaton, uh, John Favreau, Gwyneth Paltrow, Zendaya. I'm reading from the list on Wikipedia. Why is Gwyneth Paltrow Jennifer so Connelly. high on this list? The voice of Je- the lovely She's voice Gwyneth of Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's in her contract. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and other folks. Directed by John Watts. Uh, and it's another Spider-Man film. So this is and counting written, Spider-Man's... Written by, amongst other people... Uh, written by one, six people, one, according to what's Yeah, uh, one half of one of the duos is uh, that kid from... Uh, Freaks, Freaks and, and Geeks. Geeks. John Francis Daly. Yeah. Oh. That's, uh, that's how I can tell and you that... starring how... one of the that kids explains Martin from Star, Freaks then. and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Martin Starr. Wow. Um, that's right. how they got Martin Starr. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this yeah. is the sixth theatrical uh, film, and like yeah. this is the right? yeah the sixth theatrical Spider-Man film, and the seventh Spider-Man film we've watched, counting Spider-Man seventy-seven now, which yes. is horrifying to to forty say years out loud. later. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so this how this, much has changed in forty years? This has the uh, the distinction of being the first uh, Spider-Man film set in the Marvel Comics universe. Uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, does anyone want to brave a summary of the film? Do we do we do we get an introduction first? Oh shit! Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we've been distracted. We haven't done this in a while. It's fine. Yeah, I've forgotten how this goes. Um, yeah. uh, g- give me just a second. We don't have a set pattern. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly not anymore. Uh, <laughs> give me just a second. I need to pull up. I I know what I want to call you all. Um, uh oh, okay. <laughs> this is never good. Yep. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna go from uh, yeah. We'll start with uh, our our good buddy uh, Clifton Shallot. Uh, Gene Shallot's father. Yep. Gene Shallot's father, Clifton Shallot. The role will be played by Daniel Watson Jones tonight. Okay. Who, okay. Go on. Just just yep. get it over yeah. with. We'll, we'll we'll figure this out as we go. Yep. We won't. Yeah. Uh, next to him, we have, uh, in the role of Jimmy Natale, we've got Patrick Regan. Ooh, I have no idea who that is. Yep. No. Uh, below him, we've got, uh, in the role of Isidoro Scarlatti, uh, Nick Fester. The role I was born to play. Yes. Uh, next to him, we have, uh, in the role of Blackie Drago, uh, Derek Long, is that Billy Drago's sibling? Is this? Uh, can, can, can I just guess? Wanna, I think th- is guess. this is this Italian Spider-Man? This is not Italian Spider-Man. Although we should okay. watch that. We yes. should watch Italian Spider-Man. What about the point. Japanese Spider-Man? We could also well, watch none that. Of, none of those names would fit the Japanese Spider-Man. <laughs> no, no I mean about? we should Clifton also watch Shallot. that. We should <laughs> also watch that. Um, and I, so I'll, I'll be yeah. I'm Stephen Claypool, and I'm playing the part of Adrian Toomes. These are all characters who have been the Vulture in Marvel Comics. Oh. Yeah, the only one of which you would have, like, Blackie Drago, I think, is the only one that, number one, uh, was the vulture for any other material length of time, and number two has a name that would be memorable in any way. Yeah, Blackie Drago does sound familiar. Well, we have a Drago and an Adrian, so I thought it was some kind of Rocky reference. Oh, yeah. Ivan Blackie Drago. (laughs) Uh, no, it's actually Reniro Blackie Drago. <laughs> oh, 
all right. Yeah. Okay. Whew. Glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Vitally important. Oh, God. Now I just want to watch Italian Spider-Man. Uh, wow. Sidebar, All of Danger 5 is now on YouTube. So you should Ooh. go watch that. Yes. Um, all right. I started um, to make Hillary watch it. It's so good. Um, I had forgotten that it opens with uh, Tucker playing chess against a lucky cat. Yes. <laughs> like a Maneki neck. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Your move, Maneki. <laughs> okay. Uh, who wants to to dare to try to uh, summarize this film? Uh, this is a very straightforward film. This should not be a hard. Yeah, yeah. Really okay. not hard. <laughs> sure. Okay. Let's see. Uh, we start a with uh right after the Chachari invasion uh of New York, um. A guy who looks a lot like uh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, but is not Tom Hardy. And who, if I remember correctly, dude, you thought that was Tom Hardy the I first time. I absolutely thought that was he's Tom Logan Hardy. Marshall Green, which is poor and, man's Tom yes. Hardy. Yeah, and, fa- and famously, he's like one of those. Brian Austin that Green. Of people- yeah. <laughs> yes, he's one of those actors that lots of people can be. Anyway, Tom Hardy and uh, uh, Bokeem Woodbine and. Um, God, I'm Blake, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the most famous uh, person in this scene. Yes, thank you. Uh, and a bunch Buster of other Keaton. people are have like gotten the contract to clean up, uh, and uh, the feds come in and announce... Department of Damage Control. Yes, mm. Announce that the Department of Damage Control, which is a com- uh, a joint effort between Stark Industries and some, some part of the U.S. government, uh, have been tasked with handling the fallout from the invasion of New York and Sokovia and all these sorts of things. So, and uh, uh, in one of many sort of trenchant political statements uh, throughout this film, um, Michael Keaton, uh, Adrian Toomes, like points out, like they're, they're destroying everything and making money off of it. Uh, They are told to abandon the, the dig site, the cleanup site. Uh, They have some uh, supplies that they, or some salvaged uh, alien tech already in their base. Uh, and Adrian Toomes decides to hold on to it. We jump eight years later, uh, and we start with um, Peter filming his experience of being recruited for Civil War. It's this very much a tells. previously on the MCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah but like done in like a like a, a uh, video diary. No, it's, it's it's very cleverly hidden. But this is definitely one of the moments I, when I was watching this. I was definitely reminded of someone a friend of mine once said, which is. The MCU is the most um, expensive uh, television show that's ever been made. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so he's narrating to himself. Uh, there's a great, there's a great moment where Lucky is like, "Why are you narrating? No one can see this." It was like happy, cool. so happy, <laughs> Not whatever. Lucky. Happy, happy, <laughs> lucky, lucky, whatever. Anyway, so happy Manecky Hogan. Yeah. yeah, this happy, is, yeah, happy Hogan is a surprise. Happy uh, Happy Hogan is a surprisingly large part of this movie. He is like uh, Spider Man's contact. So we we see what happened uh, from his perspective. He's he was, filming himself freaking out, uh, like getting called onto the scene uh, for the. He whole... was probably easier to get than Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, uh, and then we. Uh... Well, actually, no. He's he's actually John Favreau is a really... very busy man at this point. Yeah, he's, he's not a very he's busy. He's directing actor. a bunch of really major feature films and yeah, television but he's shows. really eager to be in anything he can. I feel like no, he, he's. He's happy. He's always enjoying to do it, but he is not easy to get, and he is not cheap anymore. Yeah, 
anyway so uh anyway uh things go well we have sort of a nice touching like father-son scene between uh tony and uh peter uh he says you know peter don't do anything i would do yeah also don't don't do anything i wouldn't do this is not a gray there's a gray area there and that's where you operate uh he's like you're not a you're not an avenger yet but we'll call you uh then we jump I don't remember how many months later. Two months later, uh, and he's really uh, Peter's really desperate. He's been texting uh, Happy sort of incessantly, uh, not never getting a response. Uh, he's been continuing to go on with his uh, you know uh, friendly False. neighborhood Spider-Man spiel. So he's doing a lot of sort of low uh, low stakes stuff. He's helping uh, you know nice latina ladies and getting churros out of it and stopping, he's a beat cop basically stopping muggings <laughs> yeah but he's not very good at it i mean he yeah he locks people to their cars yeah. makes a lot of mistakes not all beat cops are good at it also he's what like a 15 year old kid yes yeah, <laughs> yeah he's 15 yeah. Uh, is it 15 i thought it was 14 he's tony 15. thinks he's 14 he corrects yeah. tony and says he's 15 yeah. All right, so he's he's using uh, the Stark uh, suit that was given to him. He's doing it uh, in his sort of beat cop role. Uh, he and we see some of his life at school. We are introduced to like the the main player. So we have his friend uh, Ned. Ted? Ned, Ned, thank you, Ned. Uh, uh, we see you know Liz, the girl that he's in love with. Uh, we see we meet uh, Michelle. Michelle will uh, be important later. Zendaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, who will be important later. We meet Flash, who is sort of his perennial bully, although we have sort of the interesting twist that because, like, Peter is at, like, a technical school, school, like a a science school. school. Yeah, this is sort of STEM magnet school that we have the sort of interesting uh, dynamic where uh, even even his bully is, like, the sort of, like, small non non threatening Indian uh boy who just Tony like, makes fun of him all the time. Instead of, the of being a jock douche yeah. bro, he is a rich douche bro. Yeah. Yes. yes. That is a that is a good description. He's no longer a man. He's Hillary no longer a Manginello. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's, now, he's now a Revolori, but he still yeah, has yeah. a taste for Branzino. Yeah. And they're and, and they're all on the academic decathlon team together. Yes. And also we get like a sense of like like Flash is clearly very inadequate. Like he's clearly sort of the uh, you know, not not excelling in this school mm-hmm. in a way that like Flash Flash and the other one was excelling socially in uh, in in high school mm-hmm. in a much tra- more traditional way. Whereas we get sort of a better sense of he's lashing out at Peter because Peter is clearly uh, you know reserved in his shell, but also clearly a much more exceptional uh, student yeah. than him. Uh, I think that covers who we meet at school. Anyone important? Martin uh, Star. Martin, Martin Star. Star. Martin Star as the decathlon coach. We meet a couple other minor characters who are like, you know, Liz's friends and other people on the decathlon, but that covers most of them. Uh, so he's doing his beat cop uh, stuff, uh, and he uh, encounters a group of. Um, uh, wait, do we see him? Uh, does he encounter the uh, the deal with Donald Glover first, or he, does he? No, well, he gets invited to the part. He gets invited to a party at uh, Liz's house that Marissa okay. Tomei shames him into going. That- Oh right. yes, Marissa Tomei. We have uh, we have his very sexy aunt, mm-hmm. uh, Aunt you, May. You could have just uh, said and, played by Marissa Tomei. <laughs> yeah, Marissa Tomei. Well, uh, and there's that scene. Spent... There's that scene in gym class as well, where um, uh, oh. Peter basically, or no, Ned says that Peter knows Spider-Man. Yeah, that Spider-Man yeah. will be making an appearance. At, yeah, uh, Ned is party. Ned is uh, Peter's, you know, uh, overly eager, very incompetent wingman. 
uh, sort of forcing him into these sort of weird social s- situations. So yes, so, so Peter goes to a party at Liz's house. You know, clearly she's you know the a, a rich girl lives in a, like a very nice house. Uh, we don't see any of her parents just yet. Wink, wink. Um, and the film goes out he, of its way to set this up. So yeah, and uh, he he goes to the party and like under his clothes he has the Spider-Man thing. There's this whole scheme where he's going to duck duck away and come back as spider-man and tell everybody that he knows peter and thank god that doesn't go through because that would be like just the absolute worst thing, <laughs> thing for him there, to there's a recurring theme in this film which is that peter's not good at much of anything no. including coming up with plans <laughs> like most yeah. teenagers well, yeah, yeah like so, a teenager while he's, he's incompetent while he's, yeah while he's getting while he's getting ready for like his big reveal this is party he sees like a mysterious explosion uh on the horizon and he's out in the middle of the burbs so there's like the interesting thing that like all of his web slinging stuff doesn't really work so like he tried he like gets out to uh, he swings a couple times successfully then he gets out to a golf course and is just like fuck and has to run i can't web sling through westchester yeah uh we like there's a very explicit ferris bueller reference to the point where while he's yes. running through yards he runs through a yard where people are watching the, the, the and ferris calls it a great movie yeah yes. it's a it's it's a remarkably on the nose call out of the reference in the process of making the reference eventually he comes and to he, like, he creeps on two little girls in a tent in their yard yeah oh yeah and, and there's this cute moment where like he's hit his head in like his uh the sort of uh there's a terrifying moment where his pupils dilate his, after a head yeah, injury his pupils, <laughs> yeah his pupils uh his pupils are going wild and scares the girl anyway eventually he gets to like the under the bridge where uh this deal is going on the guy who is not tom hardy and bokeem woodbine are trying to sell donald glover on like some men in black fucking uh tiny tiny uh cricket uh, uh space guns noisy cricket noisy cricket thank you um and it's clear that uh clear that not tom hardy like is not very good at this job he's like way too excited about these sorts of things donald glover as uh, i forget the character's name aaron aaron, davis. aaron, aaron davis. davis uh who obviously is there as a bit of an homage to the fact that in 2010 2011 he had like tried to petition to be to get an audition for uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, which also led to the creation of Miles or- Miles Morales, uh, and I think he's also voiced Miles Morales in some of the animated stuff. He's um, has he? I think I so. But he's he's playing the character of Aaron Davis, who is Miles which Morales' is, uncle. Which is who is Miles Morales' yes. uncle? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, my, uh, yeah, so so he's there. He's just trying to get like a simple gun for a stick up. Uh, and Peter, uh, his phone goes off because Ned's calling him. He blows his cover. He kind of unsuccessfully like fights off uh, the, the bad guys. Uh, a whole big, uh, big set piece where he's like uh, sort of jet skiing uh, attached to their van. Uh, he's going he's ghost riding the whip, Nick. Yes, that is in no way what that means. But yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, and I know that because my character in our RPG, we have established, has car proficiency because he used to ghost ride the whip. Ah, uh, you're correct on both counts. Yes. Um, I don't understand. How does this relate to Ghost Rider? <laughs> uh, there's probably some references He never in there. ghost rides the whip, man. Exactly. Um, anyway, so he he misses out on uh, on everything with uh, you know the whole party and uh, and Liz and revealing himself and like showing up Flash. Uh, but he's on the scent. He's got a big case. He's trying to get in touch with 
Uh, is this when he gets in touch with uh, with uh, Tony? Well, he after gets the... he gets rescued, right? So like he, yeah. he gets dropped in a river or something, or a lake mm. or something He's from a height that should have killed him. But he no one dies from into. falls in these films. And well, I mean, Tony and Tony Stark rescues him, or who well, we think is Tony Stark, and it turns out to be just a drone voiced by Tony Stark, who is in India at a wedding. Yes. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Uh, and again, very for parental speech to uh, to uh, to him. Uh, later on, he's doing his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man uh, deal again. He sees uh, some thugs breaking into an ATM. They have now some. That of happened this. earlier. The ATM. Yeah. Happened. Well, this is what this is what I was asking you earlier. Trying to figure out the timeline. All right. So earlier, he he is he's seen this tech before. Uh, in uh, his favorite when he fought the Avengers. That's what started. That's what started him on the scent. Was yeah. he, okay. he saw these okay. these goons using alien tech? At the so AT. preposterous when the guy in the bodega is like, "Spider Man's fighting the Avengers." <laughs> yes, uh, and yes, a bunch the, of people are wearing masks. Yes, they're wearing masks. Okay, so but, he's, but and he, he saves be, a cat. Be, be fair, dude. It's if you important. were in that guy's shoes. And you had the thought to yourself, this is the only time in my life I'm going to be able to say this. You'd say it yeah. too before <laughs> yeah. explaining. All right. And, Absolutely. And, and in all this kerfuffle, Peter is able to get like a piece of the alien tech. He's got like an alien And battery. he rescues a cat. He does rescue a cat. I don't remember the rescue of the cat. But From sure. the bodega. The uh, bodega cat. He oh, rescues sure. it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's the most uh, important scene. Yes. He yeah, come on. Cat. I, I can only apologize. Anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, he and Ned he had a are, in Cat Fancy magazine. He, he and Ned are investigating the alien battery. They very quickly work out that this is like alien techno technology jerry-rigged into Earth technology. Um, and what happens next? Where's what's the next? Is there anything between that uh, and going to Washington? Washington. They, they had pla he planted a tr didn't he plant a tracker? Yeah, the goons come and try to get the uh, they're, they're tracing the oh, alien right, yeah. weapon. He plants a tracker on him. He sees the goons are going to Maryland. He decides, okay, I'm going to go with the academic decathlon to Washington, yeah. D.C. Because, yeah, he was going to blow off the academic decathlon. Let's get closer to Liz. Yeah. So they go off to the ac ac academic decathlon while they're on the way. He gets a, like a worried uh, call from Happy, which reveals that his suit is tracking him as well. Uh, they get to D.C. Um, Ned and him in uh, their hotel room uh, like are hacking the Spider-Man suit to disable the tracking uh, mm -hmm. the tracking device Ned discovers and, and to uh, turn off um, uh, what training wheels training, what yeah, training wheels yeah. I was just getting that and, and in the process they discover that like there are uh, capabilities to the suit that Peter doesn't even know yeah, about they, they unlock Jennifer Connelly mode <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. they turn Which off. Many of uh, us have been trying to unlock our entire lives, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so they turn off. They turn off the training wheels protocol. Uh, Pete is uh, Peter is going to sneak out and uh, do some more investigation. Uh, in the process of sneaking out, he like runs into Liz, who like is like seems really excited to like see him and wants him to come uh, like hang out and swim with the rest of the decathlon. Again, he decides to put Spider Manning above uh, his social life. Uh, and he goes goes out, I guess, tr uh, with the, the tracking device he has, he's able to find like a roadside abandoned gas station that uh, the Tombs gang uh, is operating out of. And dam the Department of Damage Control has like a convoy of stuff from... I, no, it's from Logo. Is it from Logos? I think it's from... The stuff it's at the from beginning a variety of, the of different places. I think I, like they I think like the the implications that like 
this is just they they do a lot of carting around of different uh items okay um i know there's some ultron stuff in there but like it it, it just looked like a whole bunch of like random crap it's, I think the props yeah. department had left yeah it's very yeah, it's, yeah, it's, they, it's very it's very much a a uh, a shipment of applied phlebotanum uh plot yeah. device alien shit i'm pretty sure that they just like raided the the props department at agents yeah. of shields and daredevil and yeah. and the rest they of the show that makes sense anyway so uh tombs adrian tombs the vulture sort of swoops in and uses this like phase matter uh device to like Which sneak is really into cool. to like on top of one of the semi trucks and like gets inside of it uh peter who's like discovering that all of his uh like additional uh abilities are like causing him all kinds of things like he now has electrified uh electrified webs and the suit is trying to turn him put on insta kill mode and stuff like this so he's like fighting his own suit trying to foil uh the vulture in the middle of this heist um in the process he disrupts him uh he try uh the vulture gets away peter tries to jump out of uh the the semi truck but uh the phase shift thing has gone away so he uh, like hits his head, uh, passes out, uh, and ends up inside the vault of the uh, Department of Damage Control, uh, and spends 37 minutes bonding with Jennifer Connelly um, and learning, like practicing. With 37. His... Yes, that's specifically what they say. 37 <laughs> uh, that is, by the way, that was one of my favorite gags, just because that is a that's such a teenager thing to yeah. be like. How long have we been here? 37 minutes in a row? that was very much a they, they do a very good job of playing up his youth in this movie and that was a very good moment. yes no they they, they 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 get at the idea that this is a young kid and he's kind of dumb and incompetent in a lot of ways uh and like i think this is the of the various cinematic uh spider-mans we've seen also the best at like the wise the wisecracking yeah, side of snappy. spider-man yeah, yeah. no, no yeah. neither garfield yeah, or mcguire really were is when he's spider-man yeah yeah um and they they definitely like obviously there's some angsty stuff involving Liz, but they don't lean into the angstiness as much as either the uh, the McGuire previous or Spiders Man. Garfield yeah. spiders. <laughs> yes, the previous Spiders Man do. Uh, so eventually he's able to like hack his way out of uh, the vault. Uh, he meanwhile the decathlon team uh, has has won the championship. Everyone's really excited. Michelle Zendaya uh, wins the sudden death question. Um, and they clearly nobody on the script was confident enough to actually write any questions because we just hear the answer zero <laughs> yes zero I, I noticed that yeah uh, and they they go off to celebrate and they go off to celebrate to the Washington Monument mm. um, uh, and Zendaya uh, very very rightly says I don't want to celebrate a uh, uh, something that was made by slaves and Martin Starr's like I'm sure the Washington Monument wasn't made by slaves and he looks over to a black security guard and he's like uh, yeah kind of uh, <laughs> they love the teachers in this yeah uh, and oh and his urgency is because in the process of uh, of, of uh, getting captured and stuck in the thing he's learned he's figured out that uh, the alien doohickey thing that Ned has on him is a bomb and if it gets exposed to radiation, uh, it will uh, go off. And the backpack that Ned has the bomb in goes through uh, the metal detector, and that apparently the is the sufficient amount of radiation uh, to uh, set it off. So uh, all of the decathlon team and Martin Starr 
uh, go up in the elevator that may or may not be inside the uh, Washington Monument. I have no idea what the inside of the Washington Monument is like. Uh, and the bomb at the very top goes off and you crack the, the top of it. And again, a big action set piece as Spider-Man is like racing to get inside, learning about his new abilities, discovering that his little spider insignia is a little drone that he names Drony that can like film around really stuff. really creative. Uh, he does this really fucking kick-ass like flip over a uh, helicopter to get the momentum to break through some bulletproof glass, glass to get in there. Uh, he somehow improbably like is able to hold up a uh, an elevator uh, and saves everybody. Um, and hooray, we've we've nobody has died. Uh, Martin Starr uh, later talks about how he uh, he's glad he's glad that he didn't lose. He he couldn't stand to lose uh, a student on a trip. Not again. Mm. Um, <laughs> and... It seems like it wouldn't be that hard for a web to hold up an elevator once you got the elevator stopped. I mean, they're heavy. Yeah, they're pretty. Well, heavy. I know, but you know, it's pretty. I mean, his webs are pretty sticky. I uh, mean, they're yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, obviously, obviously, his his webs are as strong as the plot needs them to be. And, and yes. the, the, pri the primary determinant of what does and doesn't handle a great amount of weight is not its stickiness. Yeah. <laughs> um, from what I recall, going up the Washington Monument, like t probably twenty five years ago, uh, it's not too different from. Uh, the the film, except I remember it being pretty dark in there and not probably not that spacious. Yeah, it, see, it seems remarkably spacious inside the Washington Monument. Um, so um, everyone's like, what the fuck, Peter? Where were you during all of this? They go back. Uh, Flash is more interested in saving the uh, trophy than his own life. Uh, <laughs> they go back. Uh, and Peter is, you know, needs to needs to track down things again. He needs to uh, figure out, uh, you know, how to track down the vulture and these people. Uh, and comes back uh, to Donald Glover. Uh, he like he looks through the film. It turns out his uh, suit has been filming all of uh, all, uh, all, all of his mode. adventures. Yeah. Babysitter mode. We learn, uh, and he's able to looking at the footage from that first uh, time he encounters. Uh, them. Oh, in the meantime, uh, fucking not Tom Hardy also is killed uh, oh, because yeah. he's incompetent. Because uh, Michael Keaton blows him up. Yeah. Yeah. Semi-accidentally. Yeah. Semi-accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Semi gore. <laughs> he's, he's accidental, <laughs> but he doesn't seem to be very bothered by no. it. Uh, and uh, and uh, Bokeem Woodbine gets the like shocker gauntlet that uh, that uh, not Tom Hardy uh, has been using. Um, so anyway, he looks at the footage. He, the footage is able to identify um, uh, Aaron Davis, uh, Donald Glover's character. He tracks uh, Aaron Davis down to uh, a parking lot. He's like finishing up some grocery shopping. Uh, Peter is hilariously in interrogation mode, which has this absolutely <laughs> absurd uh, deep voice on it. Like, tell me what you know. I'm not a girl. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> And Aaron Davis absolutely remembers what uh, Peter's voice sounds like, so calls him calls him on his shit immediately. Uh, Aaron Davis reveals that you know, despite being sort of a petty criminal, he obviously does not want uh, fucking uh, alien nuke weapons uh, on the streets. Uh, he's worried about his nephew, uh, and tells uh, tells Peter that he knows where uh, another deal is going down. Peter is very excited to learn this and begins to run off before actually getting the information about where the deal is going down. Yep. Uh, he's told that a deal's going down on uh, the Staten Island Ferry. 
uh, and he uh, forces and that Aaron Peter Davis needs to, to get wait. better at this part of the job. Yeah, get better. Yeah, <laughs> and Aaron and Aaron Davis uh, gives him this information uh, because, as we very slyly learn, he has a nephew. Oh, I get it. Um, also, and, he's got some ice cream in the trunk, and Peter just yeah. doesn't care. No. Yeah, P- yeah. P- P- Peter leaves him. Uh, his like hand is stuck to the trunk, and it- it'll take two hours for the uh, uh, for the webs to if dissolve. Peter were an ice cream, he'd be pralines and dick. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, Peter is sort of overconfidently gung ho, going to go uh, confront uh, what's going on on the Staten Island ferry. Tombs is uh, because they weren't able to get that shipment. Uh, Peter sort of foiled them. Uh, they sort of have like they only can really do one or two more deals, so they're trying to sell some stuff off to uh, a guy who will one day be the Scorpion. Yep, Mark uh, on mm. um, uh, on the ferry. Uh, he's able to surveil and he sees uh, Adrian Toomes' face for the first time. Uh, in his overconfidence, uh, things sort of go sideways. One of the uh, alien it's devices... It's a generous goes... description of what happens. <laughs> yeah. Things, <laughs> things go very bad very quickly. One of the alien guns, like, explodes and somehow, like, perfectly bisects uh, the uh, fairy. It seems like he's momentarily able to, like, stitch everything together with his webs and keep it together, uh, but it doesn't work. Uh, eventually, uh, it seems like another one of those, uh, Cap- uh not Captain America, Iron Man tr- drones comes in and sort of smush with a bunch of other, uh, ro- little robot drones, like smushes the ferry back together. Uh, there's a confrontation on top of like Battery Park, I think it is, uh, where, uh, Tony is like giving him a speech and, uh, Peter's like, if you really cared, you'd be here. And then Tony Stark steps out of the uh, suit to reveal oh, that, oh my god, he's really here. Uh, and at this point, he is he uh, is removed from the Stark internship, which is his cover story for his family and friends. Uh, and Tony takes away the suit. Uh, and uh, Peter sort of tries to go back to living a normal life. He's able to ask uh, Liz out to the homecoming dance, thus the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and spend some time in detention. Yeah, spend some time uh, with detention. He bonds with Michelle yes. a little bit. Who draws people with, in crisis? Um, Marissa Tomei ta- gives him. A she's the, all that. Yeah, she talks with the principal or the vice principal who is played, who is like the grandson of one of the uh, Howling Commandos. Yeah, Jim played Rita. by the same actor. Uh, Has anyone mentioned Hannibal Burris? Yeah, no. Oh, Hannibal no Burris is his is his uh, is his uh, coach. gym coach yeah. and his detention monitor, and very hilariously is constantly showing these like uh, educational Captain videos America. of uh, of uh, Captain, America. Captain America in a hallway, <laughs> turning a chair around so that he yeah. could sit on it backwards like a so cool guy. You got detention. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. in detention. Yeah, yeah. Kenneth yeah. Choi you're, is the actor. You're bu- your bodies are changing. I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> the best way to be cool is to follow the rules. Yes, it's 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 very much uh, Captain America at his narkiest. Um, anyway, um, so he's taking uh, he's taking Liz out. He's trying to live a normal teenage life. Uh, he's trying to put stuff behind him. He gets to Liz's house uh, again. Mercer Tomei has given him that she's all that. There's a montage. They dance. Uh, mm-hmm. She gives him like a pep talk before he goes in there with the corsage, and he opens the door and oh my fucking god, Adrian Toomes is Liz's dad. Uh, the biggest uh, twist of the century. Did, uh, so when and, you saw this the first time, did you see that coming? I did not. 
I was I actually did not. Um, and I remember thinking that, and that like it really actually you, I God, this is a really weird way to put this. Um, it used my racial expectations against me. Oh and yeah, totally. That's very weird. That's and very actually, as someone in our interracial relationship, that feels very weird to say. But like, yeah, I do think it does it very well because, you know, you see her mom, she's black. You see her black, and your brain immediately just. Oh yeah. And my brain really. Had we seen her mom? Yeah, because her mom picks her up when they get back okay. from DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, so and I, like once you have the information, you go like, "Oh yeah, Liz, Liz clearly yeah. could be biracial." But yeah. like, yeah, again, the Liz is Liz is uh, a black girl, and like they mm -hmm. and yes, they absolutely use that very effectively. Yeah. You don't see it coming. But I, I love I, I love how coming. disorienting it is though, because like in in rewatching, you you see a couple times like he refers to his kid and his family, but it's not really dwelt on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And once you get the information, you can kind of piece together what's happening. But there's like a couple minutes there where, like Peter, you're utterly disoriented about why he is opening the door. And oh, it, yeah, no, it, I, it is I a good it, twist. I think yeah. if I remember correctly, I think my first reaction when, when that happened Dude, was, muted. oh my God, he's gotten to Liz. <laughs> I didn't, it didn't occur to me at first that it was his, because I think there's sort of a, a dramatic moment where he just opens the door before he's like, oh, you must mm -hmm. be Peter. So I think there's enough time there where you can go, oh my God, he's tracked Peter down and he's getting to her through Liz. It's well shot and well edited to really, like they, they play with way your, the way, they, they use racial expectations against the audience mm -hmm. in a very good yeah. way. Am in, I the only way. one that saw that coming? Apparently. Yeah, I would say okay. so. <laughs> yep. um, I was surprised, however, when his children were not weird bird creatures. Mm. <laughs> yes, you expected him to be married to an Arakoa? <laughs> Um, he's got he's got he's got those Arakoa eyes. Yeah. So uh Adrian Toomes, uh the vulture uh in dad mode, uh is driving uh Liz and which Peter. Is, which to... is magnificent, by the way, just watching oh, yeah. him be he's, daddy. Yeah, no, he's he's fa he's fantastic as like overprotective rich dad yes. sort of thing. Uh he's hearing uh sort of the banter between uh Peter and uh Liz. He like picks up on the fact that uh Peter is very nervous. He very quickly sort of works out from Liz describing how uh, Peter keeps disappearing at these convenient times when Spider-Man yeah, uh, shows up. That whole scene is really great, like yeah. with, so with Liz kind of unintentionally outing him as Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, uh, and they they get to the dance. He's like, "Liz, honey, let let let, uh, let me have the dad talk with uh, with Peter." Uh, and Liz goes in, and he pulls out a fucking gun. And it was like, "I will murder you. I will kill you. I will you kill you in the parking lot of this high school dance. <laughs> I will. I, was, I will protect I was... my family at any cost. Fuck you, child." That drive was easily the best scene in the film. It's fantastic. Oh, it's I think. start time. It's fantastic. It's, it's like it's, yeah, it's the scene tense. that I remembered most yeah. distinctly. Like two yeah, years it's like, later. It's you know, it's much darker and more sort of stylistically filmed than for, like most anything in the yeah. MCU. It's very tense. It's all the all the lighting on Keating, uh, on, yeah, uh, uh, Keaton on in that scene. Yeah. Like you see every crag in his face, and there's oh, yeah. like yeah. different light, different colors of lights. It's amazing. Yeah, we got yeah. some like great. We get great like close up of close up of his face, his eyes sort of working everything out. It's fantastic. It, it's yeah, great. it's, 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 it's really stoplight on his lighting his face was particularly yeah. distinct to yeah, me. Yeah, just like the, the, that, that's where like the, the, the cast is pretty uniformly great in this movie but like Michael Keaton steals the show in every scene that he's in and that is his strongest scene and it's incredible and it's why you cast yeah. him in that film. Because it, well, like also the, because it's the third time that he gets to play some version of a flying superhero this is, type character. Yeah, this is also true. Yes. Uh, Alright, so uh, Peter goes in uh, he immediately ditches Liz 
Uh, he finds Ned uh, and tells him to uh, track his phone. He's left his phone in uh, in Toombs's car. He gets out his uh, his like old janky homemade uh, Spider-Man outfit, and he you know goes to work uh, tracking uh, Toombs down. Uh, he gets to the uh, the warehouse uh, that Toombs has Toombs's team has been working out of, but they seem to have abandoned. Toombs has maybe the most effective "You're not so different, you and I" speech I've ever heard. Uh, it's very much sort of like it's very class conscious and talking yeah. about like those rich fuckers like Stark. You know, we're living on their scraps. Fuck them. Uh, and you know, again, he's a he's one of the best villains in an MCU it's movie. Fantastic. He's incredibly sympathetic. He's incredibly compelling. Yeah. Uh, it turns out the whole speech is like just a uh, a cover for him to activate his new upgraded uh, Vulture suit. Uh, he has told the tinkerer, his uh, his guy who's making all these machines, to like follow through on the the hard vacuum seal upgrade. This is going to be their their last score. Yeah. Uh, and the the suit sort of autonomously flies around. Peter is dodging it and sort of mocking the fact that he's not getting hit at all. Toombs is like, it's not trying to aim for you. It's taking out all of the pillars. And Peter gets crushed by the uh, the thing uh, collapsing. Um, and we learned that what the target is, is moving day. Uh, Stark is uh, leaving uh, Stark Towers to go to the upstate New York um, Avengers location that we've seen previously. Mm-hmm. And there's a big uh, jet shipment of all of the Shatari and Ultron, you know, all this damage control uh, shit. Once again, the fact, like, the fact that Tony Stark has access to all of this stuff, super duper shady. Um and well, so, it's also like Iron Man armor and yeah, prototype a lot Captain. Of, like yeah. it's a lot. It's not just uh, like damage yeah. control shit. There's like, Avengers it's legit. shit in there. It's yeah, Avengers it's got, shit it's he got, would legit have. Yeah, it's got Thor's belt. Apparently, is in there. Megan Girth. Yes, his, um, his belt, which triples his strength. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Peter. Peter is like trapped underneath uh, this rubble, and he has this sort of moment seeing his reflection and like so half good. of his fantastic. Half of his face is his face. Half of his face is the Spider-Man. Can, can we talk mask. about that scene for just a minute? Sure. Uh, I, I I love how. So this scene has, and I noticed watching this time. This time, this scene really touched me in a, a very big way. Um. So, uh, one of my earliest memories of my dad was going hunting with him, uh, as a, mm-hmm. when I was a kid and getting stuck in a briar patch. And I was like five years old, and I like was... Brer Rabbit. Exactly. No yeah. way. He didn't get stuck in the Briar Patch. He, he lived was in the Briar, the Briar Patch. patch. Uh, but I get stuck in the Briar Patch. He got stuck in the tarpit. And like, as a five-year-old, I lose my shit. Like, I start screaming. I'm crying. I have these things tearing at me, and I, I just I want my dad to come and get me out of the Briar Patch, and he refuses to do it. He sits down next to the Briar Patch and says, "How are you going to get yourself out of there?" And, like, as a five-year-old, it takes me 15 minutes, but I call my way out of there and go and sit next to him. And he says to me, now you'll never get stuck in a briar patch again. And watching the film this time around, uh, it, like, that moment really struck me because Peter has this, and Tom Holland really sells this. He has this moment of absolute panic where he just wants someone to come and help him because he's a 15-year-old and he's scared and he's helpless. And he has that moment, where and he's yeah, and he's fucking under like three tons of rubble. Yeah, this is yeah, that, that's it's another moment that really sells. This is a kid. Yeah, this yeah. is a kid. Yeah, it is him. It is him at like it's probably his most like 
well, he's petulant a lot of it, like in terms of like as a vulnerable child. Yeah. Like it's very much sort of like somebody for the love of God, please help me. But you you, yeah. s- you see that moment where he kind of swallows hard and he realizes, okay, the only way I get out of here is getting myself out of here, and then he doesn't. And I when I watched yeah. it this time, I was like, oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah. Is very there, clearly there... referencing one of the most famous Spider-Man panels yep. ever. Mm. Mm. Yes, absolutely. The sort of the split, the split mask face. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, also, like being crushed by it. There's a very famous. Oh. Uh, I think it was like not issue fifty, maybe issue fifty, but an issue where like uh, in the uh, it was I can't remember if it was Ditko or uh, Ramita at that point, but like a building bearing down on him and him lifting. It had to be Ramita. Ditko never drew him strong. Okay. Well, I, I was thinking more like there's so many the times mask. where they sort of have the, the split fi- the oh, mask yeah, on one side, face on the other side, that, that's, which that's, they also they also uh, have there. And yeah, it's it's you know very much sort of like you know I think he's he's dealing with a lot of sort of I no longer have the suit, can I even be Spider Man anymore anymore mm-hmm. uh, sort of deal. And obviously this is a, a big moment for him. Uh, he's able to like latch himself onto uh, Vulture. Vulture's like flying off to catch the airplane which has like retro reflectors all over it so it's got little lights that like supposedly are supposed to make it uh invisible it just makes it look like sort of a uh a las vegas makes uh, it look like that car and die another day yes uh and um he he go um tombs gets in he has sort of the hard seal and sort of gets into the uh into the airplane he hijacks it it's pilotless uh and uh it's like obviously this is going to be uh, uh, you know, huge payday. He talks to, you know, his partner on the other side who's like monitoring things is like, we're, we're set for life. Any one of these boxes and we're set for life. Uh, and then Peter goes about uh, sort of sabotaging some of this. He's sort of clinging to the uh, plane for dear life. Uh, he's he's able to compromise the hard seal somehow. I forget exactly how. He kicks how it he... real hard. Oh, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. He kicks it real hard. Uh, and then we have again a ver- another great sort of action set piece, uh, like the vulture uh, and him like fighting on top of uh, the plane. Cool. It's like losing jets. Uh, the plane is like going to crash down into uh, Coney Island. I, I assume, Coney Island. Uh, he uh, and he has to like use his uh, webs and like hit one of the uh, the wing panels and like try and turn the plane so it doesn't crash. It crashes on the beach outside of the Coney Island. Uh, theme park uh there on the beach they have a big uh showdown um tombs's suit has been compromised um again there's a lot of sort of you're not so different you and i uh sorts of things and you know i'll do anything for my family uh the the suit uh he's trying to like take one of the boxes away still the suit blows up uh Tony, uh, not Tony, uh, Peter sort of has this sort of moment of like, what am I going to do? And he decides to be the bigger man and he runs into the fire and he rescues tombs. Uh, and, uh, day is saved basically. Yeah. (laughs) The the day is saved. We cut to some time later. Uh, tombs has been sent off. Liz is moving away. Um, Spider-Man is Spider-Man again. Uh, and he gets summoned by uh, Tony Stark, uh, and they go up to uh, the upstate New York Avengers uh, uh, compound, uh, and Tony reveals like a very fancy uh, Spider-Man outfit. Is like you're gonna be a you're gonna be an Avenger. There's 50 uh, reporters out there. Uh, we're gonna have you live next to Vision. It's gonna be great. Uh, and uh, uh, not just bloggers, real reporters. Yes. Yeah, it's not just BuzzFeed. 
Yes. And Peter, Peter thinks about it. He decides that he thinks this is a test uh, and says that, no, th no, thank you. I, I should, I need to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for a little bit longer. I need to like learn the ropes. I, I need to earn the suit. Uh, and he leaves. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow for her one scene sort of comes out revealing that there were actually 50 reporters out there. All of this was not a test. Uh, and it's like, what the fuck is going on, Tony? We need, we need to do something for this. Uh, there's a weird scene where like Happy pulls out a ring that apparently he's been carrying for uh, a decade. Uh, and uh, Peter gets back. That's when Gwyneth is. Paltrow starts goop. Yes. Um, <laughs> sure. He's like, I'll start a health and beauty company. <laughs> he gets back to Peter. Peter gets back to Queens. He finds on his bed a uh, brown paper bag that contains his old suit, his old Tony Stark suit, uh, with sort of a note like, this is for UTS or something like that. Uh, he calls and like, it doesn't seem like uh, May is around. He puts on the suit. May like turns the corner and is like, what the fuck? And it cuts off before it says fuck. So I've not, I've not watched the next Spider-Man movie, but presumably, obviously, it must function with the understanding that May is in, in Yeah, he, do, he doesn't uh, talk her out of it. Yeah. yeah, and I, I um, two post-credit sequences. Yeah, two post-credit sequences. The first one, uh, Tombs is in prison. Uh, the Scorpion like sort of comes up to him as like, I hear that you know who the Spider-Man is. Let's fucking kill him. And Tombs uh, sort of says, Oh, if I knew who the Spider-Man is, Spider-Man is, I would have killed him. Mm -hmm. uh, and sort of walks off defiantly. And the other one is just a very funny scene of, again, sort of the, the nerdy, narky uh, Captain America coming out and like giving a sort of a short speech about patience uh, and how important it is. And sometimes you're patient and then there's no payoff. Uh, there's one thing you forgot to mention um, oh. at the very end. We learned that Michelle's last name is Jones and that she goes by MJ. Uh, yeah, she's MJ. And that she is, in fact, the MJ, uh, which yes. is the only thing I don't like about this movie. Yeah, uh, is that seems... I want to be very clear here. I actually like Zendaya as, as yeah, MJ. She's, great. she's perfectly good as MJ. I hate the whole like reveal that she's MJ in the same way. I'm not a big fan of uh, in the dark in the Dark Knight Rises Robin. when it's like Robin. I'm like Robin. Oh, yeah. right. Let's like, be I'm just cute like, about oh. this. Yeah, I don't yeah. like. I don't. I don't like them being cute about it. I'm to Zendaya makes a great MJ. She's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I just don't like the whole like. Oh, she wasn't MJ. Yeah, she was. In much the same way, I like they could have just called. And this is a this is for our Dark Knight Rises podcast, but this is, is a huge pet peeve of mine. They could have just called that character Dick Grayson. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't. Yeah, I don't know. It drives uh, me crazy. Yes. Uh, yeah, Excellent no, I, summary, I, Bester. Yeah. That was a really good summary. Uh, I realized I realized as I was finishing up and talking about May, I didn't actually mention the part where Ned finds out that uh, he's uh, Spider-Man, <laughs> which is kind of an important part. <laughs> But I think I think I covered the most Lego everything. Death Star. You didn't mention the yeah. Lego Death Star. I didn't true. mention the Lego Death Star. It's true. Yeah. Uh, no, nicely done. Uh, or that they were sneaking out of their hotel rooms to go have pool hot tub with time. No, eleven dollar candy bars. Oh, okay. yeah, mentioned, mentioned that. that might have been when I went to get food. Mm. Also, there's there's an interesting thing like they're in the hotel room and he sneaks out and then later uh liz comes uh to get ned and it's very clear that the hotel room they're filming inside is a motel room because it has like a window on the side which is in no way the type of hotel they're staying aren't they are they staying i had this in my head and i may have made this up are they staying at the watergate i don't think they are but they're in like a a fancy uh dc area dc, yeah. DC area hotel they're not in a motel they... six no no it's, but it, it, it it's kind of a generic hotel yeah yeah no if, one left. Yeah, like I think we, them. I think we see like a generic uh, shot of like the banner, like U.S. U.S. Uh, 
like uh, you know right. academic decathletes welcome yeah. but it, it's very it's very you would, clearly you would, whatever you would show you would show some second unit footage of the watergate a lot more if this was set in the water yeah like it was it was very clearly like a hotel complex in burbank or whatever yeah <laughs> or atlanta yeah, yeah atlanta. probably atlanta yes, probably atlanta honestly it looked kind of like the renaissance in atlanta <laughs> It did. I'm, I'm glad that wasn't me. I thought it was like that one too. Anyway. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, who has something to say about this movie? It's excellent. Yeah. It's, it's very really good. good. It's, it's the good. best Spider-Man film by a pretty wide yeah. margin. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we haven't. Uh, yeah. We haven't, gotten to, we haven't gotten to. Well, I mean, I think Into the Spider-Verse makes a strong play, but we'll yeah, cover that when we. Yeah, I kind of put. All, I am. I. It's the best live-action Spider-Man yeah. film. Oh, it is definitely the best Spider-Man right. we've seen thus far, and I feel like it's it, without question. Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man of of all these yeah. Spider-Man that we yeah. have seen. He's, yes. He, again, again, maybe the best Peter Parker if we want to uh, fair. Uh, like cordon off uh, Spider-Verse in some ways. I think I think I would probably put Spider-Verse ahead of this movie, but this movie is very very good. I still have not seen Far From Home. I'll probably won't see it until far, we get to that. Far From Home is yeah. very good, but it it, it has yeah. a little bit of the sequel problem of just it's following in the footsteps of a lot of yeah. things. And I remember yeah. when I saw this in theaters, just being really um, really jazzed about how energetic it felt. Like there, it there it, yeah, it, it had a spark to it that the it feels uh, it's it feels the right age because like yeah. what, you know okay so the the the, the rap on Tobey Maguire. Is that he? He didn't <laughs> that work. we're going to take half an hour for talking about the rap on Toby Maguire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, so like, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield did not look like teenagers, and partially that's also like a writing thing. They really weren't written well like teenagers. No. Tom that's... Holland is playing a teenager and is written as a teenager. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, it is. I've... It's this feels like a young person's movie. Like, and that mm -hmm. was great. Like, I was like watching this in my thirties. I was just like, yes, no, I feel like a pumped up teenager again yeah. how does oh, yeah. happen oh yeah to add, uh, on to, that, to add on to that patrick it's uh it, it's that and it's he feels like a modern teenager yes yes mm. he does not Even, feel like a 50 year old man's conception of what a teenager it doesn't exactly Which is very it doesn't, much what's it, in the toby Maguire right, version the like that the is toby, very much like fucking archie right exactly like toby Maguire's spider-man like this is there's nothing against toby Maguire, but the, the character is written as the 1960s version of what a teenager is and what yeah. a teenager's problems are so yeah. like the um the extent to which like i mean look at like flash right as a perfect example of this like yeah. flash is a physical bully yeah he's biff in, he's biff basically in the Maguire films and here he has been updated to like a, a more accurate you know sort of quote-unquote realistic representation of what like a modern bully would do yeah. Yeah. which is call you penis parker yeah. yes yeah which but is also great. that but is also fantastic. a much more really accurate good. version of like the type of in this specific high school yeah, yeah. Yes. i think yeah, yeah, yeah. uh like this is actually a question i had like uh because certainly like the 60s version was just a normal high school midtown high that, yeah but uh but i'm wondering like have they updated that that now he did go to like this kind of a magnet school just i was thinking because um because Miles is also going to a similar type of in school. Not, in yes. nothing that I've read. Okay. Um, in, in some of the other supplementary media, yes. I think uh, in, in the most recent version of the cartoon, um, he, he specifically is called out to be as going to like a special magnet school that Mary Jane and Norman Osborn are also, uh, I'm sorry, Harry Osborn are going to. Uh, Coulson's the principal of that one. As but in the, but in the comics, like Peter's pushing 30 at this point. 
Yeah, the yeah. Peter's an adult these days. Yeah, he's uh, been an adult for a long time. So, but but the, yeah, I think I I think the I think setting it in a magnet school I think makes a lot of sense for Peter. And absolutely, yeah. like if there was a goddamn like meathead Biff uh, bully yeah. in that magnet school, that would not work at all. But that, that contributes to help. two things. Um, so, so, so number number one, the single biggest thing that this movie did for me is remind me how happy I am that I'm not in high school anymore. Like just yes. on a daily basis, I'm energized by the knowledge that high school is behind me. Um, yes. so, second thing, uh, one of the, like, we've seen, counting the 1977 film, uh, three different stabs at the characterization of Peter Parker prior to this one. And yes. one thing that I think is interesting about the way that they framed this version of the character is one of the defining characteristics of the previous iterations uh was that he is right on the verge of poverty at all times mm. uh, yes. and you do not feel that in this movie even with you know to tombs kind of giving the we're working class guys the starks of the world or above us yeah. kind of thing um you don't feel the economic struggle that peter deals with in other films in quite the same way mm. and part of that like i think they make passing reference to peter being on a scholarship to the the magnet school and uh, but you don't feel the, uh, you know, money is extremely tight. Uh, Peter is choosing between bus fare and helping Aunt May pay the rent kind of story. But I think that that is kind of in line with the idea of, um, you know, this particular version of the character, the 2017 teenager. Um, at the like, they're, they're emphasizing different things in who the character is as opposed to the... 1960s conception of who this character was well, yeah. well it gives and it gives space for like social concerns like honestly like the main plot line of this film is really like peter's life as a high school student yes. like mm -hmm. it, it it gives a kind of narrative space for his like development of relationships and him like really just trying to like that kind of teenage desire to be self-sufficient and powerful and yeah. like not beholden to others which is is worked through kind of both in the like being a social creature in high school and in the kind of action plot line where he has mm -hmm. to learn how to be self-sufficient yeah. uh you know outside of the suit <laughs> yeah and deal with having a, a very hot aunt mm. that, was, yeah, that was that was something i wanted to bring up as another like really good very smart update like yes. well i mean the and they kind of and they kind of did it a little bit with uh with sally fields and the garfield ones where it's a much more sort of reasonable but all, idea all, all due respect mid seven like 70 year old sally field is no 50 year old marissa tomei yeah yeah no but but again again it's not rosemary yeah, yeah. harris is that the name of the yes, actress it's not yeah. it's it's, it's not. It's not a woman who could be Rosemary Harris. It could, it's not a. It's not a woman who could be his great grandmother uh, playing his aunt, and yeah, like I. I remember a lot I mean, of people like I mean, this is a weird choice, but like no, for great. a fifteen-year-old kid, honestly, Marissa Tomei might be a little old to be his. Yeah, aunt. late. Well, 40s. to kind of like to kind of like cut that back to the um the, the economic aspect of it. Like one reason you want to maybe not like he's clearly still working class. They you know they don't live yeah. in a great apartment, but like. You having Peter Parker in the versions of the movie we we've seen before, having him like on the verge of poverty level doesn't make a lot of sense. Where in every version of Peter, with the exception of the 1977 Spider-Man, he's friends with billionaires. Oh, yeah. Like that, remember that was like a plot point that confused us in the second Spider-Man movie, yeah. where like that major plot point was that Aunt May couldn't keep her house. I'm like, Peter, isn't your best friend literally a billionaire? I feel like this problem could be pretty easily solved because he knows and likes your Aunt May. Like I feel like yeah. he'd want to help. Um, but like the, but the also like because in this one 
Aunt May isn't like a pensioner, right? Like yeah. she, 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 she comes off as like having a job. And we later learn she works for like a nonprofit, I think, but that's neither here nor there. The I point is like, second one, yeah. yeah, yeah, she, she, she comes off as like an adult who's not a pensioner who has a job. Also, I, I don't know why, first of all, I mean, well, I will say one thing always get Marissa Tomei when you have a chance to get oh, Marissa yeah. Tomei. That, is, that has that never does. been a bad choice in, in the history of time. Oscar-winning Oscar winning, uh, actress Marissa Tomei, obviously. Yeah. Secondly, I, I, I just kind of love the fact that it, they, they play up the... There's a very sort of... So, okay, couple, two things about Marissa Tomei as she plays this. One is the, the scene where he, when he comes back from, uh, from the, the ferry, mm-hmm. she is, like, freaking out because she has oh, no yeah. idea where he's been. And even though they never say Uncle Ben's name in this movie, yeah, you can read Uncle Ben in her every second of her performance mm. of that scene. Yeah, like oh, yeah, she's totally. clearly thinking about the last time someone she loved went missing and what happened. Like it's 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 in every performance. Because again, yeah, let's talk about that choice though. Let's talk about the okay. no mention of Uncle Ben's name choice. Because like there is a through line in all of the MCU films that Peter Parker appears in of Tony Stark being his father figure. Right. Um, <laughs> as opposed to, uh, you know, Cliff Robertson or Martin Sheen being his father figure. Um, mm. I'm curious how you guys feel about that choice. I think it makes sense in terms of making these films feel stronger, but I wonder mm-hmm. if you feel like that is um, a choice that is motivated by the story that they wanted to tell or a choice that was motivated by a reaction to, uh, we don't want to tell the same goddamn story over again. I mean, I think it's the latter, but those, you know, those two things aren't, aren't mutually, aren't to the detriment of Ben's absence no. from this film. I mean, I, I think, like, I was actually watch, re-watching Into the Spider-Verse uh, just a couple of days ago because um, I'm having my animation students uh, write about it for their final exam. And cool. um, one of the interesting things about that film is that it starts it starts out with, like, it kind of like yada yada's Spider-Man's origin story, yeah, yeah. right? It's like it's okay, great. one more time, and I, you know, we'll we'll talk about this film in more detail later. But like, mm. um, you know, it's like yes, with great power comes great responsibility. It's like there that line. Um, I mean, really, Tony takes up all of that kind of narrative drive in this film, and I mean, it, it would just make Uncle Ben superfluous, and it would change the tone as well, like. Like it's it's clear that the tone here wants to get away from um, Peter being on the edge of poverty and mm-hmm. uh, you know having Uncle Ben as a it, it, he's really a different kind of father figure from the one that Tony is here. Like Tony has a cool dad and aunt in in this film, uh, or excuse me, uh, Peter has a cool dad and aunt in this film in a way that Peter doesn't have in any of the other films, right? So it's kind of like a you know. I don't know. There's a cool factor there. I mean, I feel like, like what I interpreted, the kind of what I was watching, I kind of in my mind decided that in this version of the MCU, um, Peter, uh, Peter's parents died when he was extremely young, and that he may not even really remember yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. that you know that like Uncle Ben and Aunt May basically are his. Pa- I mean, they're always his parents, but like they they like he may not remember. Richard and, and, and yeah, there's Maria actually Parker. if you watch the deleted scenes or like the gag reel there's a great uh bit where they're at the party that Liz is doing and it's an outtake of Tom Holland and it kind of looks like he's improvising most of it but um he's talking to Liz and he says oh this is great I'd love to meet your parents my parents are dead 
and then he falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think uh, one thing I was just thinking about, I was remembering, uh, you know, we're talking about Richard and what is his mom's name? I can't remember. Okay, anyway. Mary, uh, I think. But, Mary, okay. Uh, but Martha. It's, uh, Martha. <laughs> it's Martha. <laughs> Why'd you say that name? That um, was Louis Armstrong uh, as Batman. <laughs> yes. Why'd you um, say that name? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in terms of like you say that interesting name? choices in terms of Barry, like, other figures is, uh, is like if we think back to the Andrew Garfield mm. movies, those lean on his dad in a really weird way. Like Richard Parker is like integral to, I think it's like sort of deleted in the first movie and like inserted back into uh, the yeah. second movie. But like we deal a lot with his dad. That that does that works a lot less well for me than tony as a surrogate father i think i think tony you know again you know in terms of like the like very specific mcu spider-man i don't know if this is like this this probably wouldn't work for like peter parker across the board i wouldn't want them to retcon back and like this guy's been a tony stark uh, fanboy his entire time but it makes goddamn perfect sense for uh for this, uh, for this Peter. Well, and they do I a mean, really good job in, ter- in in the idea of this being a, a long running TV show that climaxes after twenty two episodes. Um, they much like a season. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do a really good job of using that not just to build Peter's character, but to build Tony's character as well. Because mm. Tony comes to this with so much baggage as a character with with daddy issues, which he refers yeah, to. He, I mean, he explicitly times. says yeah. that halfway through the movie. Yeah. He's like, "I'm not. I, you know, he's like, I've been thinking about it, and this hasn't been great. This is right before like he he really chews Peter out. And like one of the things that he actually said, one of my favorite bits, it's sort of like again, kind of falling under the heading of Daniel Junior is also a very good actor. Yeah. Is that the scene where he's he's chewing him out? Um, oh yeah, and and it's when Peter says, "Without the suit, I'm nothing." And you know that was the entire point of Iron Man three. Yeah, we've seen this arc from Tony before. <laughs> and but you'll you'll notice is and this is something that uh, Robert Downey Jr. does a lot as Iron Man, particularly as this show movie goes on. Mm-hmm. He'll gra- he grabs his right arm and mm-hmm. like he it's stiff and it's actually mm-hmm. it's one of his injuries that he gets. I think in the um I can't remember where he gets the his arm gets hurt, but it's he's always kind of like flexing his right arm. I think, oh, he is in Civil War. His arm gets really busted in Civil War. And this is the first movie we've seen him after Civil War. And whenever he gets stressed out, um, particularly about Peter, he's actually like, you'll see him like flex his hand and like kind of like rub it like it's still hurting. Robert Downey Jr. is kind of a good actor. He's kind of good at this. (laughs) Yes, it turns out he's actually good at what he does. Um, That's why they gave him the big bucks. Well, he also, also good agents. But, um, I mean, very good agents, given the fact that 20 years ago, this man's career was entirely over. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, I want to say two things real quick, and then, and then uh, I, I feel like Dooge has been pretty quiet because he's petting a cat. But I have two things I want to say, both of which are um, off off topic. One, uh, I just, I still am, I remember when Iron Man came out in 2008 and we were at college, and how much I was delighted by the idea of Robert Downey Jr. being a matinee star. Um, I know. I it, remember. I remember. Like, I I can distinctly remember reading IMDb news like a year or two before that, where they announced that Robert Downey Jr. was going to be Iron Man. Yeah. And one, it was Robert Downey Jr. who was still like his He's still his a comeback was his comeback was sort of starting then. Like he, I think you know maybe Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was out. Like he was definitely on mm-hmm. the rise, but like he was still very much a joke. But also Iron Man. I think it's yeah. important to remember that before the MCU movies. 
Iron Man was not a thing. No, no one. He was a most of the had a cartoonless character. Yeah, he had a bad cartoon in the early nineties. Yeah, he had a bad cartoon in the. You take that back. That cartoon is wonderful. Like he might have been a hero. He might have been a hero that felt like if you asked average people on the street, like they maybe had heard of him, but like they had no idea who Tony Stark was. Well, like Captain America was probably the only hero that they had who had any kind of name recognition. Iron Man was arguably less famous than the Black Sabbath song Iron Man. I, yes, I would absolutely. say inarguably. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But so, second, second thing. So this this is a Marissa Tomei story. Um, it, one one of those like certain things when you are at different points in your life stick in your brain for weird reasons, and this is one. Mm-hmm. Like I the remember, time you saw the wrestler. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> although Derek and I did a podcast about that with Drew That's like right. a year and a half ago. Oh. Um, <laughs> No, I remember I was watching, I think, David Letterman. And I think I was maybe 14 or 15 years old. And Marissa Tomei was the guest. And at the time, she was doing a play on Broadway. And it was, um, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Salome, the uh, Oscar Wilde. No, that's right. Um, And she was playing Salome. And uh, I'm I'm looking at the cast list on uh, Internet Broadway Database right now for that production. It was Al Pacino, David Strathairn, Diane Weiss, like, heavy hitters. Yeah. and uh, she was describing on certain nights of the play, there was a particular scene, and I know, I know nothing about Salome, but there was, a cer- there was a certain scene where sometimes she would come out for the scene completely nude. And she said that the best part of it was the first time she did it, she didn't tell anyone, and the expression on Al Pacino's face when she walked on stage. And I, I would love to know what the expression on Al Pacino's face was. When we're, to be in that audience, for some reason that sticks with me. The idea of Al Pacino's face in that moment. That does sound fantastic. Do you, do you have anything you want to say, dude? Oh, very uh, quietly because you have a kitty. Yes, I do have a kitty. He's a very um, kitty. Yes, also, he's, he's in an office kitty. space, so he needs to be quiet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I really like the film. I, I did find that this time a couple of the big uh, set pieces felt a little. They they didn't punch as hard as they did um oh i should probably not let the kitty walk on the keyboard um they didn't punch as hard as when i saw it in the theater uh and like the uh the fact that they're in the washington monument you know the the only vertical piece of washington dc felt a little like obvious Mm -hmm. but uh still i i enjoyed that but then when he's holding together the fairy with his webs as if holding the two pieces close to each other is more important than the integrity of the hull being compromised. <laughs> Water just like flow, just geysering upward. He's 15 uh, years old. Yeah, yeah you know, whole, like, oh, I missed that one, like, support beam over there with my 98% success. Like, I mean, it, it felt like you should just be firing webs thing. down at the bottom yeah. of it. To yeah, there the is that. Thing. There is the odd implication that if it would have worked if he hadn't yeah. missed one of those pillars. I was like, no, this uh, plan is not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nothing about this is going to work. Um, yeah. I mean, who, for all we know, Karen was just trying to be nice to make him feel better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because that's what moment... Karens are famous for. <laughs> for me, the moment like that was... Um, at, at the very end, uh, you know, the whole set piece uh, with with the air uh, airplane, the cargo plane. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was there a, a, an explanation for why Peter didn't like freeze to death at you know no, twenty thousand feet? He's wearing a sweater. 
Is that, a, is that part of his spidey abilities? I mean, spider's spider toughness, I would say, is the, yeah. is the cheap yeah. answer. He, he to that. does whatever a spider can. I, I mean, the reason that Tombs no. doesn't freeze to death is because he's wearing a jacket. Like, yeah, he's got that fucking I mean, I would, I would, like, yeah, exactly. if, if I wanted to fan wank it, I would say, like, Tombs is hijacks it early enough that it hasn't really risen that high. Still. But. Yeah. 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 No. I, I, speaking of speaking of tombs, I, I think I texted all of you this. One interesting thing about this depiction of tombs is that, like, one Keaton is amazing, so obviously. Good. Oh, fantastic! Um, and this version of it is so interesting. But like, they literally just took the Falcon, the the Falcon, the Vulture's gimmick, not the Falcon, and nothing else about the gimmick. Yeah, the Falcon's yeah. the character. But like, there's almost nothing else about the character that they, they they took for this version of the Vulture, and I'm okay with that because the Vul- yeah. like, there's a lot of Spidey villains who have a lot of character. Doc Ock, lots of character. Green Goblin, plenty of character. Uh, but there's also a lot that are just sort of there. Like Shocker is just sort of there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and both, but like we get two of them in this movie. The yeah, right. we get two three of them if you count both Shockers. Um. Um. But like you know, the the Vulture, they they took one of the weirder gimmicks and just made such a layered, textured mm-hmm. character there. Um, and also someone who was like really threatening because normally he just has this goofy wingsuit, no. but like that 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 rig he's got is terrifying. Every, like, everything about some... that character works. Like it's yeah, like, yeah. He, and I think I completely believe he's a threat. He could take out Spider-Man. I completely b- believe that he could not necessarily survive Iron Man, but at least get away from Iron Man. Like he he yeah. he's genuinely intimidating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think like if if it came down to fighting him, but I could imagine him like outsmarting. He's a bird daddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just uh, saved your life. Now, what do you say? God. Oh God, that scene is so good. What do you yeah, say? We, like, we, we've come back to that scene a couple of times, but like, it's so really fun. good, and it's it's p- part of the thing we've talked about before with the MCU is as it's become the juggernaut that it's become, um, the the actors that they are able to get for anything um basically they they can ask anyone and almost anyone will say yes um and at this so when michael keaton was cast in this role he he was as hot as he had been like he was coming off of birdman he was coming off of spotlight like he was hot Mm. at that point um and they brought him in at that peak um but it 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 does, even though there is, as Dude alluded, a little bit of stunt casting to it, it doesn't read as stunt casting because what mm. you need is someone who can be utterly terrifying, yeah, but also a suburban dad. Yeah. And I think he, I think he managed to. You mean Mr. Hit. Mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Suburb, yeah, suburban uh, Mr. Mom. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I, and I, and I, I think we've talked, I, I think I probably bring this up every time we watch a Spider Man movie. Uh, but like one thing I really like about the Spider-Man movies, and this sort of goes back to uh, Patrick's point in some ways, I really love that they like continue to bring in new villains. Like yes. they have, yeah. they have like brought in like again some of them are sort of minor characters. Like Sandman's not that big a part of three. Rhino's just sort of like a opening scene yeah. thing in. Uh, I mean, the Amazing Scorpion Spider-Man was in 2. this one. Matt Gargan as yeah. a character was in this. But like, yeah. but again, like, yeah, they've got you know Green Goblin and the and you know both Green Goblins. They've had uh, Electro. They've had uh, Prowler. They've had mm-hmm. Mysterio in the the, the next yep. one that we've seen. They've dealt with Kingpin in that. They've got uh, you know who else have they done? Tombstone and, and Venom and uh, you know they they really like pretty much all of his major villains. All of like the Sinister Six, I think. 
Is there anyone in the Sinister Six? Uh, Doc Ock, obviously, the other one I, I'm forgetting. Yeah, I mean, like, the there's the elemental characters in uh, yeah. Far From Home, which has, like, Hydro Man and the Molten Man yeah. and characters like that. But, like, again, and I feel like particularly for a series that, you know, we are on the second or third reboot of, we've, you know, once we get to... Uh, once we get to uh, into the Spider Verse, we'll be dealing with you know a whole lot of different versions of that. You know, you look at Superman movies, and according to Superman Lex movies, Luthor. he has Lex Luthor and General Zod are like the only two villains he's ever faced. Batman Which, is constantly facing new Jokers. Yeah, and I like you know obviously they've gone to like the Harry Norman Osborn well a couple of times, but I like that they like they've like recognized that, like he has a really broad. Uh, thing and it's not just like it's an x-men movie we've got to make magneto the bad guy again but part of that i think is um and i want to talk specifically about the peter parker version of spider-man not miles morales um batman is a compelling character but he is surrounded by compelling characters superman is at times not a very compelling character and is often surrounded by not very compelling characters Uh, peter parker himself is an extremely compelling character and that gives you the luxury in these films of using him as the center of gravity that mm, things yeah. can rotate around, as opposed to um, like a Batman film where, you know, I, I think this is a little bit less of a problem in a couple of the Chris Nolan movies, but often Batman is the least interesting part of the Batman story. Yeah, um, whereas know, Peter Parker that... is almost invariably the most interesting part of a Spider-Man story. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, like certainly the Joker is carrying a lot of the weight in like pretty much every movie the Joker has shown yeah, up. Even in. the Dark Knight, like yeah, which totally. you know, we 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 hold a sacrosanct that the Joker's carrying the Joker yeah. and Two Face are carrying that movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, again, uh, I, I appreciate that, you know, they are, you know, that you know, Vulture Vulture is, you know, if they had adapted him straight, probably wouldn't be a very compelling character. Yeah. I think that it seems I my impression is that the MCU sort of plays a lot more fast and loose with the villains. They're just sort of like, we kind yeah. of like the spiel of ego and we're not going to do anything actually about it. We've taken the name and a couple of details. And, and I We've like done it with Vulture, do we've that. done it with Ego, we do it with I that. mean, Thon- Thon- when we get to Thanos, he's super different really than different. he is in the comics. Yeah. Like, he's really different. And I'm very okay with that. I like the fact that they're more willing to just sort of like, you know, like, yeah, fuck it, we'll, we'll do this different. Like, I mean, for God's sakes, the MCU version of Kingpin I believe reads as as being on the autism spectrum, which is nothing like any version of the Kingpin ever. I was trying, but I was trying it, to remember is, the MCU version of King, Daredevil. Yeah, okay, yeah. Daredevil. But yeah. is, he, is he compelling as hell? Do he we consider the the Netflix Marvel stuff MCU? They were intended as such, but there's but they never played out that way. Yeah. There was a there was a, I can tell you what happened actually because uh, everyone well, involved is fired now. Um, there was the the uh, Kevin Feige. And the head of Marvel Television uh, did not like each other and did not get along, and that led to a lot of weird rifts. Yeah, the head um, of Marvel Television is that Republican guy, right? Who's like super no, that's no. You're thinking of Ike Perlmutter, who's Perlmutter. the Marvel He's, CEO. Oh, okay. Jeff Loeb, I think, was the head of Marvel Television. Uh, uh, Marvel yeah. TV. Yeah. yeah, they just did not get along at all. Yeah. Um, Perlmutter is and... the weird reclusive billionaire that like yeah. there's no photos of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, it, it, it's more it's more they're, like the 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 TV shows are set in the MCU, but the it's like there there's two universes. There's like the film only MCU, and there's the plus TV MCU where the TV shows are talking about the the movies, but the movies never ever yeah. mention anything going on in the it, film. I mean, like you so, know, it, so it's the me, same. Like, to- 
I'm sorry. sorry. Let, let me go back and close this point off. Um, Ike Perlmutter, the Marvel CEO, who was Marvel's owner, I think bought him out of bankruptcy in like 97 or 98. Uh, yeah. I read a couple months ago uh, Bob Iger's memoir, which is really, really mm-hmm. good. But he talks mm-hmm. extensively about the process of buying Marvel uh, when mm-hmm. he's at Disney. And a huge part of it was just like trying to talk to Ike Perlmutter because apparently mm-hmm. Perlmutter is... He's not reclusive, but he's just extremely paranoid about his privacy. So, like, mm-hmm. huh. no interviews, no social media presence, no, like, no public... Like, if you Googled him, you could probably find a photo of him, but... I found one yeah. photo, actually. Yeah. It's all the same photo of him getting off a plane. Yeah. It really is. That's incredible. Well, there's, like, one other... Yeah, there's a couple other photos, but definitely most... Yeah, interesting. And like, you, you gotta try. Yeah. Anyway, that's my Perlmutter diversion. Yeah. One, one um, point I... Sorry, go ahead, Patrick. No, no, you go first, sir. Uh, well, I was, um, one, one point I wanted to make was just about um, the tone of this film mm-hmm. and how um, I think fundamentally lighthearted it is. Like, mm-hmm. the um, the stakes are, are, are different from, I think, a lot of the other Marvel yeah. films we've seen. And, you know, it's, it's sort of a cliche at this point to say that the, the Marvel films are more lighthearted than, say... DC, but um, this film, um, I think, is is even lighthearted within the Marvel spectrum. And, you know, in thinking about why that is, I think a large part of it has to do with the fact that um, not all the characters are superheroes in this film. Yes. Like, um, and so that's certainly not the case in, in, in all Marvel films, but like the core characters in uh, your Captain Americas and your yeah. Thors are actual like superhuman beings. Whereas, um, you know, in this film, like most of the characters are like teenagers, <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and, and so there's a kind of um, not just a down to earthness, but um, more characters can be audience surrogates in a way. Mm. Um, and so there's there's room for that kind of um, lighter tone. And I mean, to a certain to a large extent, Peter even himself um we, we think of him more as like a normal human being in a weird way than than we do well, know, like, thinking about Cap. Well, yeah. well what's, what's funny about that like, is that like he, Peter feels like, Tony is able to sort of intimidate Peter. Not like, you know, obviously he's not, Tony's not threatening him mm-hmm, Peter at mm-hmm. any point, but like the part where he actually shows up in person, he steps with the armor and like Peter visibly kind of shrinks, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, even without his suit, Peter has like, wall crawling abilities and is strong enough to one arm lift up a bank of lockers like mm-hmm. he's he's objectively an incredibly superhuman pe- person but even like but before tony he's sort of like he feels more like a real person and like there's even that line where where like tony mentions you know if cap had wanted to lay you out mm-hmm. could have and here's the thing i both i think that's it's weird to say because again Spider-Man is much stronger than Cap, but I also completely believe that because Peter is a 14-year-old kid who with like maybe with barely any combat experience and Captain America is Captain Goddamn America. Yeah, well, and, and so many of the stakes in this That's film are Captain about Captain God like... Blessed America. Thank you very much. Yeah, language. <laughs> that, that that idea of like being if not out of control, then outside, then almost out of control, like mm-hmm. at the very limits of your abilities or, um, mm. you know, at, at the point where, um, you know, you, you do feel like you're, you know, crushed by a building or rocks and that, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. And that's, that's a challenge for you. I think one of the powers of that scene is, 
like in thinking of you know like that that you don't see that scene with with Captain America right or no. with Thor there, there there's something and there's something about the way that the Marvel series as a whole has developed where um the stakes seem to get lower and lower and lower with those characters, mm. you know, for long stretches of mm -hmm. the MCU films, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, certainly the last couple of, you know, films that we've watched. We, you know, there was a run there where it was, it was just like, yep, this is, this is another Marvel film. And I think that's part of it is mm. um, you kind of ran out of those stakes. And, you know, this, this film is kind of refreshing in that way that, yeah. you know, we're, we're bringing that humanity back into the character. It was a much needed palate cleanser. It was so because yeah. it very much like I, I, I mean, the next couple of films we're watching are like Black Panther and Thor. Yeah, Ragnarok. We're, yeah, we're getting yeah. ready to watch some films where a world literally <laughs> ends. <laughs> and like, and don't get me wrong, I think we all agree those are both magnificent oh, yeah, films. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I do think having the palate cleanser of sort of this low to the ground thing, it's, it again it, to to get incredibly wine snooty. It is a bit. It was a bit like. You know how when you well when you like when you eat sushi you have you sometimes you want a piece of ginger yeah. you know to kind of cleanse their palate so now you can really enjoy the sushi. It's when, it's when yeah. you need that Marvel comics bug character mm. film. Yeah, it's either this or an Ant Man film. Yeah. yeah, but I think it also might just be part of like amping up for uh, the Infinity War and Endgame. Just that like keep it keeping it uh, the stakes low, keeping it like not a you know big sci fi spectacular and sort of like the thor dark world like the universe is ending and all the universes are merging sort of things like well, no this is a guy this is spider-man trying to stop a guy on a heist well, and, and, and obviously there are consequences to that you know there's going to be you know people are going to get hurt by these mm -hmm. weapons but like the consequences of like if adrian tombs had gotten away that wouldn't that wouldn't have been that you know it would have it been, been bad, bad. but it, it wouldn't have been bad you know, it would have ended the world, but it would have made things very bad. But, but yeah. part part of this is also like, and, and it's you viewing these films as a continuing story, but also as a continuing project where everything is setting up something else. And we, we talked about earlier, really, in the, the uh, Age of Ultron episode, how clumsily that was kind of done in some cases. The, the films are getting better and better at setting up the next things that happen, not in... Mm pure narrative terms but in character and emotional terms and well it, i mean when, when we yeah. get to thor ragnarok the ragnarok that we see is radically different than the ragnarok that was set up in age of ultron and right. trying to set up those plot and stylistic mechanisms kind of had some problems but what this film does is really lay that groundwork for the relationship between peter and tony which is critically important in the infinity wars movies it's mission critical it is yeah, literally you have the, to do the, that the movie the in-game does not run without that unless you mm -hmm. buy that oh yeah that tony is literally willing to risk everything to bring yeah. peter back like and yeah. again it even sets up sort of that cute little like uh that's not a hug we're not there yet and like if and then, you and then, uh, hugs him, oh yeah yeah if you if you look me look me in the eye and tell me you did not tear up a little bit when tony hugs peter in in-game and I will, if you tell me that you didn't, yeah. I will know you for a while. When liar. we talk about Endgame, I have three distinct occasions in that movie where I didn't tear up, I full on cried. Same. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I remember we discussed this at the yes. same three moments. Yes. All right. Uh, well, we're getting close to there. How, uh, we're like three or four movies away from, uh, let's, from Infinity all right, War, All right, so let, let's let's lay it out. Um, I mean, before we oh, do wait, there, I think I think Dooge might have a... Yeah, I just, I wanted to, I didn't get a chance to comment on the Vulture that, uh, 
Yeah. I I felt I remember the announcement that Vulture was going to be the bad guy in this, and I was shocked because I could not think of a villain who I cared about any less than the Vulture. <laughs> but that didn't last too long because I heard that Michael Keaton was going to be playing. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I trusted that if they're making an MCU film, yeah. then it's they're probably going to do it right. Um, I think Craven the Hunter is the only major or semi-major <laughs> Spider-Man villain I can think of. So badly God, in the next, I, I want Craven him to be the villain in the like, next. Like I am, I, love I am, Craven. I am, I'm trying to think. Like, and I think you know, do it like. Go super camp on Craven. You there, gotta. There, so there was it's um, just Joe Exotic. Yeah. The the way the way you do it is so there there was actually um when Brian Michael Bendis was writing the Ultimate Spider Man comics in the early two thousands, uh one of the early arcs had Craven as a, a character in it. And I hesitate to call him a central villain in because Craven was a reality show producer whose gimmick was he was doing shows of him hunting down. You know, different. He was basically he was Dog the Bounty Hunter. He was exotic Dog the Bounty Hunter. I remember this. And there's definitely some meat on that bone. Um, that seems like the most sensible way to yeah. Joe Exotic. Either that or the like the Bounty Hunter. Like you know, a like an inst- an Instagram infamous big game hunter yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like that oh, could work. God. Like definitely some I, sort of like micro celebrity. I seems um, like the way to make that work. I do have one final point before we kind of start yeah. looking to the future. Um, one thing that struck me when I saw this movie originally, um, uh, I saw it with my roommate who's from New York, and, and uh, one thing that I thought again is that this is also a, the the Spider Man movie that most feels New Yorky. Yeah, mm. uh, like it did genuinely. It feels like Real, actual, actual New, New York, York. not yeah. like you know sort of vague sixties bullshit New York that 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 was kind of present. Well, in some and of the spe- specifically Queens. Like I've lived in Queens. It feels like this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like the 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 fact that like the the bodega his favorite sandwich bodega is genuinely a plot point and like it's how he bonds with the yeah. prowler at one point um this yeah. is a i mean it's a way less inexplicably white uh new york than the previous two spider-man yeah. movies yeah. dealt with where both were uh somewhat unusually pale for a given that that is a yeah city they were very, very much set in friends new york although yeah. i want to take i want to take umbrage <laughs> with what patrick says because nothing is more quintessentially new york than the world unity fair it's true. <laughs> um, I, uh, I just wanted to comment on uh, the first time I saw this, actually my favorite part of the film, and still I think one of the best parts of the film. I don't think it, I don't think it's come up yet, but how good Ned is. That's true. Yeah, we can after is incredible. Ned's fantastic. And it's, it's written yeah, really very does, well. Does yeah. Ned exist in the comics in any so, capacity? So Ned he's Miles leads. Morales. He, oh. he's, he's two characters mushed into one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Ned Leeds was a Spider-Man character really in the 70s, uh, but bears virtually no resemblance to this character. He was a name. His uh, yeah. his insistence on being the guy in the chair is that was yeah. so perfect. <laughs> the, That's the, not the, a thing. The, 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 All the, of Peter's the, friends are like really well performed. Like yeah. the guy is excellent in yep. this. Yeah. Is great. Even like Flash, the minor uh, ones, like, Martin like Star Betty just and the, uh, the other members of the team. Yeah, yeah. Mark Martin Star's Star. performance is so understated. It is fucking perfect it's yeah so the man good. the man has like five lines in the entire movie but he the, he, he, well, gets he gets the most a, out of them they give him him so much more to do in the in the next spider-man movie yeah. and i'm pretty mm. sure it's oh, because they, they just yet. like they he knocked it so thoroughly yeah. out of the park at every scene they're like we have to do more with him we have to do more with him yeah, uh, he, but he no, gets the, more he, and hannibal burris gets more i think yeah oh, the, the other thing was uh well also like the fact that um 
it I mean Ned's I they actually very subtly point out that Ned is just as, is also incredibly intelligent mm. because he hacks into a a, a million dollar military grade Tony Stark designed security system, okay. which is he could only do if he was really well, fucking pl- playing again against, against the like, uh, we're not so different, you and I thing. Uh, Vulture has his guy in the chair, and Peter has his guy in the yeah. chair. Yes. Well, I will also point out that, I was um, looking at porn. <laughs> I will say one thing about the, the we're not so different, you and I uh, speech that Adrian gives is that one thing that kind of gives. I mean, he's a he's kind of a hypocrite because that's part of, you know, part of the point yeah, is that like, he's a villain. At, yeah, he, well, he's a villain. He's <laughs> supposed to be. He's a, um, at this point, he's like, you know, the rich guys. I'm like, you live in a really nice house in a yeah, really yeah, nice yeah. part of uh, in a nice New York suburb and drive a very expensive car. What the fuck do you mean, those rich guys, asshole? To be fair, I feel like anyone in the MC who's talking about those rich guys can always point at Tony Stark. Yes, it's yeah. fair, Tony. Um. But the other thing that that I do think kind of works for this sort of like much more multicultural New York, which it should be, yeah. um, is is the fact that uh, it, they went to partially because they cast Marissa Tomei, but like Aunt May's Italian now, which she has never been before. She's this like, hot she's Italian never, lady. Yeah, yeah, like she's like and 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 I was sort of like, well, yeah, one that makes sense. She's not actually biologically related to Peter, yeah. so they could ever be whatever the hell they wanted to be. Yeah, um, can be anything. But also just sort of like, well, yeah, New York. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, um, yeah, obviously New York, but also in terms of diversity, you're talking about like the the people at school. I'm thinking about, and I think Peter and Martin Starr, I think might be the only white guys with any lines involved. Eddie in the Branch school. is the only other white person with any meaningful lines. Who, who, who's that? The blonde, uh, the blonde girl who's in the newscast. M- much more, oh, sig- right. okay. yeah, much more significant in the sequel. Uh, in the Tobey okay. Maguire films, that character was played by Elizabeth Banks. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, oh right. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, again, again, they, uh, yeah, they, they, they clearly, you know, decided to yeah, also make in a much more perfect. a not a not 1950s high school where it's all a bunch of white kids. Yeah. yeah. Again, the the Tobey Maguire high school, he's fucking going to Riverdale High. Yeah, no, this feels much more like like I that I looked at this like no, this is clearly a New York high school. I 100% believe that he is in New York. Like again, the whole part where he has like. He had literally argues with Prowler about wit, what what Modega makes the best sandwiches. Was just yeah, like, that's was like I like it, bread. It was, it was real New. It was very it was very New York, but not like in the you know, hey, you mess with New York, you mess with all of us. Yeah, there's like a regional. Yeah, there's a regional like a like a sub uh, like a sub uh, borough specificity. To, I like, got it. What's the I got what's it. The best bodega in like this corner of Queens, as opposed to yeah, like all New Yorkers ride. No, it it, it it makes perfect sense because I, I I was looking this up. Um, <laughs> you you made me made me curious about it, and I checked it, and now I feel very comfortable about this. Um, the uh, okay, so. Uh, Sam Raimi, famously from Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark Webb, who directed the uh, other, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films, uh, went the to most uni- perfect name for a man to direct a Spider-Man film. Uh, <laughs> born in Indiana, went to University of Wisconsin. Uh, John Watts went to NYU. He is actually lived in New York for several yes, years. Yes, I believe that there there is a specificity of I yes. actually know what New York is like. Yeah, yeah, that that is. I mean. You know, I, I'm from New Orleans. I can tell when they are phoning it fucking in. Yep. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that New Yorkers, 
and I, in fact, I know for a fact New Yorkers can tell when they're like, "This is not fucking New York. This is like, this is Friends New York." This is oh yeah, absolutely. Like you know, you go back to uh, like the first Spider-Man. I think there might be like one scene that they film like on Columbia campus, yeah. and the rest of it's you know the one outside the science building. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Department of Science. Yeah. The rest <laughs> of I'm also I'm also a bit of a scientist. So when Peter <laughs> went when Peter went into the bodega. Uh, and and greeted uh, the the bodega cat Murphy. Yes. Did anyone else restrain themselves from saying, "Oh, hi, kitty"? <laughs> I mean, I, no. If this I film were set in San Francisco, myself, I just said it. <laughs> I just said it. Yeah. Oh, hi, kitty. I mean, I, I I talk to every animal I see, so yes. yes. Not necessarily as any sort of. Reference. I mean, keep the chain. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. I understand there are also people who don't talk to animals. I think they're weirdos. So, you yeah, know, what to do about yeah, that? Yeah, that's why Doolittle was your favorite film of the year. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Robert Downey Jr., he can do no wrong. Yep. Be- better to do he no do wrong than wrong. do little wrong. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think if 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 we ever uh, catch up to the end of the uh, of the MCU or Marvel Marvel Cinema films, I think podcast, that's a very real possibility now. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think the next series is we can do a Robert a Robert Downey Jr. cast. Oh, watch mm. films like Air America. America. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's a film with it's, Ian Mel Gibson. Ian Mel Gibson uh, are uh, uh, is it the working for the CIA, CIA. in. Laos this, during the Vietnam it, War. Is this pre or is this? This is like early? ninety. This is like okay. ninety three. Yeah. Yeah. Working with Mel Gibson. Yeah, what do you think it was? Po- yeah, post Iron <laughs> Mel Man, Gibson RDJ. is still making movies. He was nominated for an Oscar a couple of years ago. But Mel Gibson and Robert Downey yeah, Jr. <laughs> are not making films where they star as uh, as Vietnam era Air Force uh, CIA. I didn't. I didn't know anything about the movie. You just said Air America and Fair. said the two people. Yeah, I know. It's just like I. I feel like. Uh, any movie that has the two of them as the stars is not a recent film. I assumed. I was just asking. <laughs> so um, he was in. He was in Daddy's Home too. He still gets work for some reason. True. I got nothing. I mean, I'm sorry. I the last thing I could you. name that he was in was The Beaver. I mean, the, the the reason he keeps getting work is because his movies keep making lots of money. Like, yeah, that's the main reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was in that that movie that looked kind of like Payback a couple of years ago. He was also like, in Payback. Yeah, but that was in like '98. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, Daddy's Home Two cost seventy million and made 180 million. That's that's pretty good for a comedy. Um, I mean, double the uh, still 40 yeah, million profit. That's more that's than good. W. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, say what you will about Mel Gibson, but he's had a long career of making money in movies. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway. Okay, so uh, Derek, you brought up the possibility of catching up to the the MCU, and the longer we're in quarantine, the the more this becomes realistic. Yeah. And the longer that the MCU is, because they just uh, knocked uh, Bob Widow back to November, so we've got like six months. We to catch have up here. all right. If we're talking in terms of theatrical release, mm-hmm. with Black Widow's release being November, right maybe now, yeah, we'll see. Um, we have we are ten films behind, guys. Mm. Ten films from okay. the present. We Thor, I think Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Infinity Black War, Panther, Infinity 2. War, Deadpool 2, Ant-Man mm. and Wasp, Venom, Captain Marvel, Endgame, Dark Phoenix, Far From Home. Okay. Yeah, there's only three on that list that I haven't seen. And there uh, are yeah, uh, three, I've not seen two three on that list that are not MCU films. Uh, Deadpool, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Deadpool. Venom, oh wait, and, no, uh, I haven't seen. I haven't seen Deadpool too. So I haven't, I haven't seen, seen. I haven't seen any of the non MCU movies. And I, 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 I was before you see Deadpool too. Or Dark watch Venus. Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes. Oh, I've seen. I've seen Hunt for Good. the Wilder People. Oh, that's right. We watched it together. We watched it together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because okay. Ricky Baker is great in Deadpool too. Yeah. Deadpool two is Deadpool two Ricky is good. Uh, okay, so the only one I have not seen Venom and I haven't seen Dark Phoenix. Okay, yeah, those are two of the ones I haven't seen, and then Deadpool two. Yeah, I'm holding off on watching on. Venom, even though it sounds like a great quarantine film, because I want to talk about it with you guys so much. Same, East. Derek's just sent us an image. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> It's not the Hail Caesar I was expecting. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> what is this? Hail it's... Caesar, 1994. Directed by Anthony oh. Michael Hall. Oh, geez. Starring wow. Anthony Michael Hall. Wow. It was a real passion project for AMH. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sam uh, Anthony Michael face. Hall. That's looking, incredible. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall looking a lot like Matthew Lillard on or this Or Max Headroom. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jesus. Wow. So it has Frank Gorshin. <laughs> Oh wow! Uh, all right. Wow. Well, let's. Well, well. We, it's hard this could, this to rock be a side and hustle roll we, when you're knee deep in rubber. This is a, this is a side <laughs> project Christ. we can start working on. What's that mean? I, I I was I was really worried when before you got to the word rubber, what the last word of that sentence was going to be. I was hurt worried it's going to be like trim or pussy or something. It was like, oh no. I think. Wow. Yeah, you, you went to a very different place. Ever. I think that's the official time for final. The official sign yeah. that we were ready final for final thoughts. thoughts. Anyone? Yeah. Oh, um, Jesus. Dude, why don't just, you start? Yeah, dude. Um, all I have to say is that it's hard to rock and roll when you're knee deep in rubber. <laughs> what does that, what could that possibly mean? I'm sorry. It is, it has erased everything I I had to say about this film. Um, uh, it was good. I enjoyed the film. Uh, it's it's uh, good Spider-Man stuff. Uh, it's it's refreshing to know that that uh, can exist. Uh, before we move on to the next person, uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character in this film is Julius Caesar Magruder. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Patrick, what's your thought? Um, I mean, we've covered a lot of what it is. I love this movie. I, I, it really felt like, you know, I, I enjoy all Spider-Man in all their form. Uh, but like this really was Spider-Man. This really did feel like it, it kind of captured Spider-Man in like a very real way. And partially by being very different from sort of the, the canon. It wasn't as reverent to sort of a lot of the canon as, as it has been. And I, mm -hmm. I like that. I like the fact that like, you know, Anne May is in her 50s, which makes sense. He's 15 years old. You know, this feels like real New York. I just, I really like it. And I've said everything I really can't say about it. So the only thing I'll say is I like the fact they didn't get rid of the Spider-Man theme and kept it as his elite motif because mm. Danny Elfman has this theory that superheroes, when a superhero finds their, their elite motif, it should just stay that way, mm. which is, you know, the and of course, Danny Elfman would say that he wants Batman to Danny Elfman. Because he, he wants the Batman, the Batman theme to be the same. <laughs> but at the same time, what what is the Superman music, everybody? Yeah, you you can all you all know it because that is yeah. what Superman's music is, um, and I I don't think he's I don't think he's entirely wrong. So I'm glad that they 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 kept his do 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 because yeah. that is that's the Spider-Man yeah. thing. It just is. 
I'm gonna come, ba- I'm gonna come back to that in my final thought because yeah. I have something. To I want to fact now. I want I want to imagine an alternate thing where somebody takes that uh, seriously, but instead of deciding to use the Danny Elfman theme, they use the na 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 na. That's the Batman theme. That, that's the Batman theme. That yeah. I know that theme much better than Danny Elfman's Batman theme, and I love the idea of like a broody <laughs> Zack Snyder Batman, but like na 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 playing underneath it. Why do you say that theme? <laughs> oh, that is that's from the 1960s uh, Batman. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I was thinking. Didn't did Danny Elfman do the movie and the animated series? He did the movie. Uh, Shirley Walker adapted his stuff for the animated series, and they did a lot. Oh, of the okay, my mistake. I must but be it's very much Simpsons. in the tone of the Elfman. Yeah, he did yes. Simpsons stuff. Yeah, so I know he did the Simpsons. I just thought he had also done. The, I, I must have been melding them in my head. So I, I will like, give my final thought because it plays off the same point sure. as Patrick. Um, and, and I, because I, I have. Nothing else to say about the movie apart from the fact that I really enjoyed it. It's great. I love it. It's awesome. But I want to talk about the music for a minute. Because um, the music's by Michael Giacchino, who generally does dynamite stuff. Um, but I was... You mean like Napoleon dynamite stuff? Or what? Uh, Ratatouille and all the J.J. <laughs> Abrams movies. and well, It's good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the incredible... timely was... reference from Dooge there. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well... It came out, Napoleon Dynamite came out when I was in high school, and this movie's about high school. No, um, so... <laughs> That's the connection I was trying to exactly. make. Exactly. Yeah. No, Michael, Gicchi- Michael Giacchino is is great. Like, he does a lot of great stuff. Um, the But as I watched this, and I heard, like, the... Like, the Spider-Man theme, it did kind of strike me, um, again, this point we've come to in the past, like how lacking a lot of MCU scores are. Like, the Spider-Man theme is a theme from a mid-1960s cartoon. That's the Spider-Man theme. And Michael Giacchino, like, Oscar-winning, like, A-list composer today, Michael Giacchino, is not coming up with themes that rival that. And it got my wheels turning on a couple of points. One, um, how scoring movies has changed over the mm-hmm. last you know, 20, 30 years, um, moving from the idea of even coming up with a theme to being not ambient, but more supportive of the things on screen and how that kind of works against a movie like this and against a lot of MCU films. Because I keep thinking like, okay, what's the Iron Man theme? Oh, it's Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Um, you know, what's the Thor theme? Well, I guess it's the immigrant song immigrant now. Song. Um, <laughs> yeah. but like it's the, the, we're not getting those themes. And then I thought, well, in the MCU, oh, what's the exception? He's an immigrant. Exactly. What's the exception? Um, and I thought, well, okay, there's a very strong Avengers theme and there's a very hmm. strong Captain America theme. And what do those have in common? They were both written by Alan Silvestri. Um, who scored those films and who cut his teeth in the 80s. So, like, only the throwback composer is creating film uh, themes that actually anchor the films and the characters. And I've been thinking about this in advance of when we get to the Infinity War episodes. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that when Marvel is hitting, it's like, all right, here's our big tentpole they're pulling Alan Silvestri out of the out of the cupboard and saying, "All right, we're going to have Alan do this film." I love the idea that he he just they put him into a cupboard somewhere on Disney property. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and to sort of support head. and to sort of support support your point that um, you know stuff is sort of more ambient or in the background. I did not notice that the Spider-Man song was in the 
the soundtrack at all for this. I think it was in but... the credits, like the okay. opening credits. Again, like music, music is something that's difficult for me to pay attention to and notice those sorts of things. Alan yeah, Silvestri is apparently actually very tall, so he wouldn't fit into a cupboard. Or Depends on the cupboard. Big cupboard, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched. Uh, I watched Black, uh, Black to the Future. God. Back to the Future <laughs> last night. Uh, so, Alan, so Alan Silvestri's on my mind. And like yeah. my my final I guess, okay my final thought on this movie is going to be about Back to the Future actually. Um, okay. I, I, my final thought will be on Black to the Future, the enough. black remake of yep. Back to the Future. Oh yeah. Um, There's no, a family guy. Yeah. That. No. Uh, well, of course there I, is. I, I will still say going back to it's a music theme and an Alan Silvestri point. Um, uh, the like Back to the Future is still really good, and the I have watched Back to the Future I don't know how many times now. I still like. My heart actually races during the climax of that film every time I see it. It's so incredibly perfect, and I put a good 65% of that on Alan Silvestri's score in the climactic scene. It's incredible. So that, that's my final thought about Spider-Man Homecoming. Go watch Back to the Future, but also watch <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> I'll all do right. my final thought. Yeah. yeah, all right. Keep your fingers clear of the blades. <laughs> <laughs> Which... In hindsight, surprising that was not the uh, the uh, Stanley uh, cameo. Yeah, yeah, I, you, I, in, in some ways, my brain almost convinced itself that Stanley was one of the teachers. Yeah, uh, it would make so much yeah. sense. Uh, no, it's a great film. Um, I'll just reiterate my point about like uh, you know normal everyday people saying funny things in this film. Like the humor's not. It's not as forced as it can sometimes feel in MCU films. I don't know. Um, that that uh, gross gum under the seat line or shot seemed a little forced. All right. I mean, that's what I would expect to see if I was if I was if I was shoved under a bus seat. Well, yeah, I mean you'd expect to see it, but it doesn't seem worth an entire well, shot to me. Except it's another moment of, of high school realism. Yeah, and I just okay. I think this is a good film about being in high school, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the apathetic teacher, uh, or what, what does Hannibal Burris say about uh, Cap? It's like, I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal. Whatever. Whatever. You know, I, I just like the the sense you get for this as a uh, as as a, a real place with a certain you know kind of comic tinge. Uh, mm. I think is yeah. an important part of the tone of this film. But so yeah, it's very enjoyable. Nick Besser, uh, I guess I, I guess I'm up then, uh, and very similarly to uh, to Derek, uh, you know, I think the the high schoolness uh, of this is really important, and we've talked on this before, but I think Tom Holland is such an important part of uh, this equation. He is probably one of the most perfectly cast people in uh, the MCU. I looked it up and like to see like how old the various Spider-Man actors were when they were cast. Toby Maguire was 27 when he was cast. Andrew Garfield was 29. Tom Holland was 20. Wow. Uh, and and like again, the Andrew Garfield one is a little bit older. He's a college student, but that's still he's still supposed to be Not like the 19, first 20. one. The first one he's a he's oh he's, you're right you're right he is yeah. still in he's still in uh, in high school in that one. Uh, and yeah, no, I mean both of those are kind of you know boyish frames. They're kind of young looking, but none of them. They're, they're, none of them were ever convincing as high school no, students at that age. And yeah, obviously Tom Holland's a little bit older than he's playing, but he's, you know, a much slighter guy. He's much more boyish. He, I, I entirely buy him uh, as, as like, you know, a 15 year old little punk. 
Uh, I think he's perfect for that. And again, I think, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, in some, in some ways, I think, you know, Andrew Garfield was good for sort of the angsty side of things. I think Tobey Maguire got some things right, but neither of them got uh, sarcastic Spider-Man, yeah. funny Spider-Man, wisecracking Spider-Man ever right. They, they kind of tried it, but they also sort of didn't lean into it as heavily. This is a, this is a boisterous Spider-Man. This is a talkative Spider-Man. He's like, you know, mile a minute, making all kinds of jokes uh uh things like that and tom holland really sells it tom like we've talked about you know how good you know even in their sort of bit roles a lot of the comedians in this mm-hmm. film are you know martin Starr and uh hannibal burris you know tom holland's a funny guy he's he's got good comic delivery and i think that's that's a really important skill for any spider-man have any of you seen uh the lost city of zed new it's uh came out a couple of years ago it's a really really good movie watch it um but it's about a is it a world war z uh sequel yeah exactly no it's It's, a it's about a it's a real life story about a a british uh explorer in south mm -hmm. america um who's played by charlie hunnam and tom holland plays his son in the film and at a certain point in the film holland uh gets older and he's supposed to be a man going off on a voyage with his uh father charlie hunnam and so they just give him a mustache and he looks like a 14 year old wearing a fake mustache it's a really good movie but it kind of undercuts the uh yeah. undercuts I, the significance of it. Huh. and i looked it up uh charlie hunnam is 40 i'm surprised he's actually that old um i guess because yeah i was because uh, i was i was thinking like how that doesn't work at all but yeah no i you know if yeah. if you tom tom they kinda, holland's they, playing yeah they, they age holland's up, playing a little younger yeah they age, they age him up a little about bit. 10 years and yeah yeah oh my god i'm looking at him with his mustache it's hilarious <laughs> that, is, that is that is the least convincing mustache i have ever seen it's, in my it's entire like life. yeah it's like a mustache they slapped on him because they didn't even ask if he could grow a mustache <laughs> they just knew they knew the answer to that question yeah so they didn't oh. even bother yeah wow. oh my god that's, but it's that's a really hilarious. it's a really good movie check it out it's it's uh got like a it's somewhere also, I, between the man who would be king and a gear of wrath of god like not as grim as the latter not <laughs> uh not as bright as the former Although calling the man who would be king bright, given the ending, is probably overselling. Also, I I know I I know I've said this before every time we talk about Tom Holland, but I really do love the fact that he and John Bernthal are like best friends. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no, they they they've uh, they did a movie called Pilgrimage together, Mm. and um, uh, they isn't isn't that how Tom Holland ended up in the MCU? Yeah, they they uh, did um, they read each other's lines. They sort of like for their. uh, they they were doing uh, uh, during the auditions. Um, they sent in audition tapes, and Bernthal was feeding Tom Holland's lines for his Spider-Man audition, and Spider-Man and Holland was feeding Bernthal Punisher lines for his oh, Punisher. Audition. Interesting. Yeah, that's fantastic. Cool. Good for him. Good for yes. both of them. Uh, all right, I should probably get going. Yeah, uh, I got to work in the morning. Let's close it out. Our next film is Thor Ragnarok. So we get uh, we get to take a watch the end of us.